Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View Podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. Well, if you're just visiting us with us today, uh, we're beginning a brand new message series entitled Follow. And uh, every year, once a year, uh, we kind of like to have a message series uh, that is a little bit different than everything that we typically do. So uh, let me kind of give this disclaimer before we start. If you are just visiting with us today, today's a very different um, different Sunday, and uh, it'll be a different series for the next three weeks. And, and let me tell you why. Uh, typically, what we try to do is um, we try to really, really pray through and, and really talk through some messages series that really can relate to every single individual, whether you are a Christian, a non-Christian, um, whether you go to church, whether you don't go to church, um, because we believe that in the Bible and scripture, whether you're a Christian or not, the Bible has amazing truths and principles that will impact you no matter where you're at in your life. Well, today's a little bit different because today is begins a message series that's really entitled and directed toward the members of our church. Now, here's the good news. Um, if you're visiting with us today, um, I think that you'll find some value in it because you're going to see uh, the heartbeat of our church and you're going to really see what we try as a church to embody, uh, to become, and really challenge ourselves to. And so with that said, about four or five months ago, um, I gathered our ministerial staff and some other members of our team. They all gathered in my house. And we sat around it, and we had one major goal on that day, and that was to really pray through um, a brand new mission statement for our church. In other words, that if you were walking around Myrtle Beach and someone were to say, hey, I hear you go to Ocean View, and I want to know what is that church about, um, we really felt that it was important to make sure that our church rallied around and understood our primary mission. And uh, the truth was, about five months ago when I asked our staff that, they all had a bunch of great answers, but they were all very different. And we said, that's a problem. We need to make sure that we have a mission statement. So with that being said, um, today we're going to unpack our brand new mission statement as a church. And I'm going to kind of walk through and explain why. But during that meeting, we sat for the the next five hours and we had a few rules. Um, And and I'll go through those rules in just a second. But um, we would come up with a mission statement and we would come close to it and everyone would get excited and then we would apply the rules and we'd go, nope, that doesn't work. And then we'd get another one and we'd apply the rules. Nope, that doesn't work. And we'd get another one and apply. And so I could tell our team was getting a little frustrated, a little tired. And finally, at the fifth hour mark, um, we finally all gathered together and we were able to pray through a mission statement that that really um, set forth the rules in which we applied. Now, I'll I'll explain that in a second, um, but that we were all really excited about sharing. And so we've shared that with our leadership, with our deacons, with our staff. Everyone's really excited about this. And now I get the privilege to be able to open it up for you all here today. So without further ado, if you are a part, a member of Ocean View Baptist Church, if you're a regular tender. This is the mission of our church. And I want you to show it really quick. Here it is. Ocean View Baptist Church mission statement, helping people follow Jesus. If you go to Ocean View, our mission is to help people follow Jesus. Earth shattering, right? It's very simple, very simple. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to repeat after, after me, helping people follow Jesus. Ready? One, two, three. Great. That was really good if you're half sleep deprived. So we're going to try that one more time. Ready? One, two, three. Someone added like a fifth word. I'm like, it's only four words, only four words. And if you're sitting there wondering what the rules were, it was very simple. I know this about church mission statements. You could probably find Jesus in them somewhere. 
But the other thing is, is that sometimes mission statements are really long and, and they're really complex and nobody ever remembers a mission statement of a church. And so our rule was it needed to be really simple. It needed to be very clear in its purpose, but we wanted to make sure that everybody could memorize it. And so now you've said it twice. I think everybody has our mission statement memorized and that's great. So if you're a part of our church, we're here to help people follow Jesus. You can tell that to everyone around. Now I know some of you are saying, well, Terry, that's great, but how are we going to do that? That's where it gets a little more complicated. And over the next three weeks, we're going to unpack how we as a church are going to truly help people follow Jesus. So with that said, let me tell you this, the definition of a strategy is to put in place an action that ultimately gets you to your desired result. So if our mission is to help people follow Jesus, our strategy needs to help us to accomplish our mission. Without further ado, here is the strategy for our church. You don't have to memorize this one. We're here to create environments where people are encouraged and equipped to pursue intimacy with God up, community with insiders in, and influence with outsiders. Let me say it one more time. We're here to create environments where people are encouraged and equipped to pursue intimacy with God up, community with insiders in and influence with outsiders out. Now, I don't expect you to remember that, but I do expect you to remember three things. We're here to equip people to grow in their relationship with Christ up. We're here to help connect everyone in community, to pray with one another, to encourage one another, to be there for one another in. And we're here to challenge every single person in our church to never close their eyes to an amazing people that's outside the church that need the same gift that we've all received here in the church out. So without further ado, I want you to memorize our strategy of a simple way. And it's three words, up, in, and out. So on the count of three, I want you to say up, in, out. Ready? One, two, three. That was better. I won't go through the second time because you all did good on that time. So up, in, and out. Very easily, our strategy is up, in, and out. We're going to build our relationship with Christ, build our relationships with one another, and we're going to challenge one another to always be looking to help people follow Jesus and to introduce them to the matchless name of who Jesus is. Now, with that being said, over the course of the next three weeks, we're going to talk about what it means to have that personal relationship with Christ up. And today we're going to talk about being up and pursuing, next slide, pursuing our intimacy with God. Next week, we're going to talk outsiders. And then the last week, we're going to talk about insiders. And we'll explain why we put it in that order. Now, with that being said, we're going to begin by really clearing the decks. And so I want to kind of share this. If you're sitting in the room today, and maybe you came from a background like I did, I grew up in the Catholic church. I served mass six days a week. I could recite the mass for you. I could tell you everything that the priests used to do. I could explain why they wore the colors that they wore. I could explain why they did. I knew everything about it. Six days a week. I couldn't get closer to God, right? But the truth of the matter is, if you were to ask me if I were to die today, do I know that I was going to heaven? I would look at you and say, I hope so. Because truth was, I really didn't know. You see, I had a great religion. I was actively a part of my religion. And there's a lot of religions. There's Baptist religion. There's Presbyterian religion. There's Methodist religion. There's a lot of great religions. But I'll make this statement and then I'll unpack this and I think you'll understand. I really don't care about your religion. I care about your relationship with Jesus Christ. And so if you're sitting here today and if you're Catholic, Presbyterian, Methodist, Pentecostal, whatever your religion if you truly want to understand through scripture, 
through actual words that Jesus says, what it means to have a relationship with him and and know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you're to die today, you are going to go to heaven. If you really want to know that, then I encourage you to really pay close attention because today we're going to talk about what it means to have that relationship with God. Okay, without further ado, we're going to open up first to a book called Ephesians chapter 2. If you have the YouVersion Bible app, you can download that. All the notes are provided for you. Or you can follow along on the TV screen, your iPad, your iPhone, or your Bible, whatever you have. Here we go. It says this, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in an unseen world. He's a spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way. All of us following the passionate desires and inclination of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. So here's what that basically passage is saying. Is that in one point of our lives, all of us followed our own ways. I kind of related to, we've all were at a place where we had the steering wheel of our life. We had both hands on it. And we made decisions based on what we felt like, what we wanted to do, what we thought was right or wrong. Now, sometimes that would match what God wants. Well, I feel like that's good, and so I'm going to do it. And sometimes we'd get lucky. Oh, that's what God thinks is good. Sometimes we say, nope, I don't agree with that, and we do what we want to do, and it's not what God wants. But we owned the course of our life. When I served Mass six days a week in the Catholic Church, I had the steering wheel of my life. I followed the beat of my own drum. I never read the Bible. I didn't understand the Bible. Sure, I knew the John 3.16s and the other passages of Scripture that I heard in church, but if you were to ask me, do I really understand my faith? Have I really read the Bible to understand who Jesus is and what he wants of my life? The answer flat out is no. I had the steering wheel of my life. I didn't know what was right and what was wrong. I guessed a lot. Now, I was a good person, but the truth was I had a lot of sin in my life. And because I didn't have a relationship with him, what that scripture just talked about is, is that I fall into a place where I'm separated from God. That at the end of my life, because I want the steering wheel, I have the steering wheel, and I want control of my life, according to scripture, If I want control of my life, there's two places at the end of my life that I'm going to go. It's either heaven or hell. And the only way to get to heaven is with a relationship with Christ. And I'm telling you, at that time in my life, I had the steering wheel of my life. And if I own the steering wheel, then I'm going only one other place. I didn't want to believe it. I didn't want to think it was true. In fact, I was offended when I would hear pastors talk about that. Some of you right now are offended and saying, I don't necessarily believe that. I understand. But if I'm honest with you and if I take the Bible at its word, that's what the Bible says. And so I'm standing here and I got the steering wheel of my life and I have sin. Now here's the thing. It says that sin leads to death. I want to show you this. These are some examples of your, my sin. Cursing. Do you know that it took 30 days for me to go one day without cursing? Yes, me as a pastor. Not like last week. This was a while ago. I had to clarify that. First service, I didn't clarify that. I got a whole bunch of people right now in Bible study going, did you know the pastor curses like a sailor? Yeah. <laughs> but when I really understood that cursing is a sin, I said, okay, I'm going to try not to do it. And do you know it took me 30 days before I could get through a whole day without uttering one curse word. It's hard. Sin is difficult. It's hard to get untangled from sin. But cursing, lying, gossip. Some of you right now are saying, no, wait a minute. Gossip is a sin because it happens in the church all the time. I'm not understanding this. Cheating, bullying, pride, stealing. Those are examples 
of sin. And so if we have sin in our life and we have the steering wheel of our life, it means one thing, that we're going to die. And when we die, we're not going to go to heaven if we have the steering wheel of our life. It's very simple. So for some of you right now, if I asked the question, do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt today, if you were to die today, you'd go to heaven. If you're looking at me and you right now are saying, I think so, I don't know, maybe, you might be over here. I just want you to hang on here for just a second because there's hope. Let's continue on. But God is so rich in his mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sin, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. Here's the great thing. Jesus Christ, 2,000 years ago, he came, he died on the cross for you, for me. He lived a sinless life. And what that means is at the point in which, and I love this in scripture, at the point in which in scripture it says his father had to turn his back on him. It was at that moment that my sin, yes, my sin today was thrown on his back. Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, became sin so that I may live. And that happened in that moment. And in that moment, he gave us the opportunity and the freedom to be able to have the greatest gift ever known to man. Now, before I unpack that gift, let me tell you a story. When I was 15 years old, I remember I was, um, it was summertime and I was uh, 15 and there was a 16 to 18 year old American Legion baseball team. And I remember I was only two months away from the cutoff to be able to try out. And my dad, you know, he said, well, bud, I don't know if they're going to take you. You know, you, you could try it. You could see if you could try it. I don't even know if they're going to let you try out. And I remember us driving to the field that day. I remember my dad going to the coach. My brother was just a few years older than me at that time. And so my brother, he was, he was on the tail end. I was on the bottom end. And so my brother was up there and he, he was already on the team. My dad approached the coach and said, can you let my son try out for the team? And I never forget the coach, my dad told me this, the coach said, well, he's only 15. You know, we normally don't let 15 year olds try out for the team, but because his brother's on the team, because you're a baseball family, we'll allow it. But to be really honest, he probably isn't going to make the team. Well, I went out during tryouts. I worked really hard. I had a great tryout. And at the end, I remember sitting there at practice and it was, oh, poor kids. Here's how they do it. If you've ever been on a baseball field. So what they do is the coach brings you out into the right field and you're all sitting there in right field. And the coach says, great job, everyone. You know, some people made the team, other people didn't. And so here's what we're doing. Um, We have put a list up on the fence. And if your name is on the list, you made the team. And so all of us are sitting there and when he said dismiss, you all run to the fence and you're looking at that list to see if you made the team. So I remember running to the list. I remember looking and going, I saw my name. I made the team as a 15 year old. And at the end of practice, the coach grabbed me and he said this, Terry, he said, you deserved to make the team, but I want to be honest with you. You're probably not going to play much. You're only 15. There's a lot of 16, 17, 18 year old that are ahead of you that play your position. You're not going to play much. At that moment, I remember saying, that's okay. That's okay. I made the team. I made the team. I'm on the team. I got a seat on the bench. I'm so excited. To be really honest, that summer was the worst year of baseball in my life. After the first game of sitting on the bench and not playing the first game, I think I've got into four games total that whole summer. It was miserable. I was so excited to make the team, but I was miserable being on the bench. Let me kind of illustrate this. The truth is, 
If you're over here, there is a way to be on that team. There is a way to be on a Christian. And it's really simple. It's that you freely accept the gift gift that God has given. The gift that Jesus Christ gave you and I. And it is a gift, though, that is not anything earned. You can't go to church and earn it. You can do a lot of things. You can't earn this gift. In fact, this is a passage of scripture I want you all to pay really close attention to. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. God saved you. In other words, God created a team and gave you a place on the team by his grace when you believed in him. And you can't take credit for it. It's a gift from God. Salvation, which basically means receiving Christ as Lord and Savior, is not a reward for good things we have done. Let me say that again. If you come from a background that you think, I can be good, and if I'm a good person, I will go to heaven, I want to read this to you one more time. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done so that no one can boast about it. It means this. If someone were to ask you as a Christian, Why are you going to heaven? And if these are some of your answers, I can promise you, you're probably not on the team. If someone says, how do you know you're going to heaven? Well, I go to church. Well, I'm a good person. Well, I'm a charter member of the church. I grew up in the church. I walked the aisle of the church. I read the Bible. I was baptized. My parents were Christians. These are all great things, but they don't get you into heaven. Those are all amazing things but they do not get you into heaven. They do not put you on the bench of the team. The only way that you can get on the bench to be on the team as a Christian is at a point in your life when you say, Lord Jesus, I received the gift that you gave me so many years ago. I accept you as my Lord, my Savior, which means this. I take my hands off the steering wheel That means I'm going to read and understand your word because it's you. And whatever you say, I'm going to try to live my life based on your word. That means when I look at your word and it says I should do this, but I don't feel like it, it means I still do this. Because your word is far more important than my feelings. And so I'm going to trust you and I'm going to follow you even when it doesn't make sense because you are in control of my life. Forgive me of my sin. And thank you that because I do that, I will spend eternity with you. In other words, the only way that you have salvation is freely accepting the gift that God's given you. When you've done that, you made the team. Way to go. In college, when I was 18 years old, I got by my bedside and I remember looking up to God and saying, God, forgive me. I now understand what it means to truly want a relationship with you. And so every day I'm going to try. Every day I'm going to try to learn more about you and try to follow you, but I give you the steering wheel of my life. Forgive me of my sin. And when I did that, my life was changed and I've lived it ever since. High points and low points, not perfect, but I've tried every day to follow him. Now here's what that means. You're on the team. You're on the bench. Way to go. Now, here's the truth. And if you fell asleep for a little bit, wake up. And then this is the point I want to give you and you go back to sleep. I think there's a lot of people in our church and in churches everywhere that are very content with sitting the bench. I think we have a lot of Christians who sit the bench. Now, here's the good news about the bench. You're on the team. That means when you die, you're going to go to heaven. So this isn't a question about being a Christian or not a Christian. You made the team. You're on the bench. But we got a lot of Christians who are sitting the bench and just happy sitting the bench. 
But when I read the scripture and the scripture I'm about to show you, the Christian life was never meant to be on the bench. The Christian life was meant to be run. It's a race. And you're going to see right now what it truly means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Take a look at this. This is coming from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. I'm tripping all over everything. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, pause. The word picture here is that we have a a humongous crowd of Christians who have gone before us, who right now are in heaven, who are cheering us on saying, Terry, right now, they're saying, Terry, tell it. Terry, there's 10 people in here that do not know what it means to be a Christian. So we're cheering you on, Terry. Keep talking, Terry. They are cheering you on in your life. And here's what it says. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because the joy of awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he's seated in the place of honor beside God's throw. If you like history, I want to explain the word picture here and what the author is writing about. Did you know that back during these times, the Greeks were known for their athleticism. They were, they were above everyone. They understood physical training. They were amazing athletes. And so in the Greek language, there is a word that is called gumnos. And the word gumnos is where we get the word in America, in English, gymnasium. You've heard where gymnasium came from? It came from the word gumnos. Now, do you know what the word gumnos means? It means naked. Now, many of you got dirty minds. You're already thinking of going to a gym and being naked. Stop that now. And that's not what I mean. But let me explain what it does mean. The author said, let us strip off everything so that we are not encumbered. And the word picture is, is that as Christians, that we are every day to strip off, like you strip off your clothing, you are to strip off sin every day. You're to evaluate, what do I have on that's encumbering me? I need to get rid of that so I can keep running the race fully. Do you know why that word gumnos is in scripture? It's because the Greeks used to run and compete naked. Yes, all the athletes at that time wore no clothes. And the reason was, is they had a firm belief that if they wore clothing, it would slow them down in their competition. And so the word picture is as Christians, we are like the Greeks. We are to run the race with nothing, no sin encumbering us. Like I said, here's a question. Are you sitting on the bench? Or are you daily casting off your sin? Are you daily saying, God, where am I at in my relationship with you? God, what is it that I'm struggling with? Am I cursing? Did I say 15 curse words yesterday? God, that's not a great example. I know it makes me fit in and I know everybody does it, but the truth is it doesn't help people follow Jesus. And if I'm a Christian and I'm supposed to glorify you and I'm supposed to help lead others to an amazing gift you've given, then God, if I do this, it doesn't make me cool. It leads people away from you. 
And so I need to stop. And so God, today I'm asking you to help me every day to clean up my language. I'm asking you every day to help me to stop gossiping because while it might make me feel more connected and it might make me feel good, gossip is not good. Gossip just tears others down. So God, help me to get rid of that. I want to strip that off so I can run the race. Why do we have to run the race? Take a look at this, 1 Timothy 4.8. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. In other words, what the author is saying is, are you on the bench or are you running the race? And so here's the question. Are you every day running the race? Are you every week running the race? Or are you happy with sitting on the bench? As pastor, I'm committed to help lead our church to not sit on the bench. There are some of you that like sitting on the bench. I hope there's no one, but there might be some of you that like sitting on the bench. And what's going to happen is you're going to get mad at me because you like your comfy seat on the bench and I'm going to keep pushing our church to go out here and you're not going to like it. But I want you very clearly to understand that I will never sacrifice our mission as a church to be comfortable because that's not what Scripture says. We are to run the race. Now, how do we develop that relationship with Christ? If you're sitting here and you're on the bench, in other words, Terry, I feel like I'm on the bench. How do I make sure that I'm running the race? How do I make sure that I'm doing what I'm supposed to do? How do I make sure that I'm helping people follow Jesus? It's very simple. If you apply this to your life every day, I promise you, you will develop an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Write this down if you're a note taker. Number one, for two minutes every day, I want you to talk to God. If you've never prayed in your life, there's no dictionary, there's no lexicon, there's no instructions on talking to God. Now, there are methods which I'm going to give you, but talk to him. If you've never talked to him, I promise you, he already knows your heart. So just look up tonight and go, uh, God, okay, Pastor Terry said I should talk to you, so I'm going to start talking. I don't really know what to say, but I just want to start talking to you. That's awesome. For every dad in the room, if you start talking to God, you're going to be a better dad. You're going to be a better husband and you're going to have a better home. I can promise it, but you got to start talking and you got to be dedicated every day. If the first two minutes are awkward, guess what? They probably will be. But just like any relationship, when you keep talking, you get more comfortable and you build the relationship. In fact, here's a method. If you're saying, Terry, I don't know what to say. I learned this a long time ago. Sorry, I'm old school, but I go with acts. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. First, adore him. First, remember who he is. Because some of us, we forget who the coach is. Some of us, we sit there and we complain. Well, you know, that's not how I would do it. That's not what I would do it. And I'm pretty upset right now because the coach isn't following what I want to do. And sometimes the coach needs to look at me and say, Terry, you're not the coach. I am. I'm the one who has the steering wheel of your life, not you. And sometimes we need to look at God and say, God, you're amazing because you died for me. And so it's your way and not mine. Sometimes that helps us. Second thing, you need to confess. Tell him your weaknesses. Now, some of you might say, well, Terry, God forgave me my sin, so I don't need to tell God my sin. No, 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 no. I have a relationship with my spouse, Jennifer. And I can tell you this. When I hold something from her, when I don't share everything with her, I put a brick wall between our relationship. 
We're not as close. We're not as connected. When I share everything with my spouse and I knock down every brick, we are as close as we've ever been and we have the most amazing relationship. That's the same picture with you and God. God wants you to share your hurts. He wants you to share what you're doing wrong so that you can be more connected with him. So part of your prayer time needs to think back, what did I do wrong today? And let me confess that. Third, you need to thank him. I did that three times today. Thank him for what he's blessed you with. Thank him, thank him that you're not as clumsy as me. Whatever you got to do, just thank him. And last, pray for your family. Pray for your friends. You want to build intimacy with your family? Start praying. Start praying for your spouse. Start praying for your kids. It'll develop a deepness. So that's just two minutes. Notice some of you are like, two minutes? That's it? It can go as long as you want, but two minutes. Just start with that. Next, I want you to start reading God's word. Maybe you didn't know this, but God's word is actually him. They're his word. God breathed which means if you want to know more about what Jesus wants from you, then you've got to read scripture. Don't take my word for it. I tell people all the time, don't take my word for it. Go into the Bible and read for yourself. That develops your relationship with God. So what's one thing after you read, next slide, after you read the Old Testament, New Testament, Psalms, Proverbs, what's one thing that God spoke to your heart about? Here in our church over the last four years, we've challenged people to own their faith by reading the one-year Bible. And so I'm going to challenge again this upcoming year. If you've never read the Bible, I'm going to challenge you to read the Bible. It's 15 minutes a day. You get up and before you start your day, or if you're a night owl, before you go to bed, read 15 minutes. That's all it is, is 15 minutes. And then ask yourself the question, what did I learn? I'll be honest. There are going to be some days where you go, I don't know anything but that's okay. You keep going because here's what I found. There are days when I don't pick up something and I'm like, hmm, I don't understand it. But three days later, I'll read something and go, oh, that's because this happened over here. Oh, that makes sense over here. And all of a sudden you begin to grow in it. Last but not least, and this is the important one, two minutes, what are you gonna do about it? After you read God's word, what's your action step? What are you going to do differently? Because let me promise you, there's a lot of people in this room, including me, that has sin. What are you going to do with the sin that you have? When God recognizes it, are you going to get up from the bench and are you going to run and say, God, I need to tear it off and I need to keep running? Or are you going to sit on the bench? As a church, if we're really going to follow Jesus, it means that we follow what he actually says in his word. It means we don't do things just because we've always done them. It means that we actually follow what Jesus wants us to do. And one thing is for sure, nothing is more important than someone's relationship with God. There is nothing more important than your relationship with God. There is nothing more important than your relationship with God. And so here's my question. Do you have the steering wheel? Are you sitting here, if you were to die today, do you not know where you'd go? Are you on the bench? Or are you running the race? That's between you and him. I pray that you'd run the race. Would you pray with me? I'm going to do things a little differently and
eyes closed, heads bowed, I'm just going to talk to those of you in the room that when I said, do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt you go to heaven? If you're in this room today and you really don't know the answer 100%, if you sat there and said, I think I do, maybe, then I got to be honest with you. Today is the day for you to finally say, God, I want to give you control of my life. And so let me just pray this prayer with you. If today you'd say, I want to be on the team, and just pray this prayer in your heart. Dear Jesus, I don't understand it all. I don't get it all. But Lord, I want to be on the team. And so I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I trust you as Lord and Savior. I look forward to learning what it means to run the race. So God, help me today to follow you every day of my life. And because of that, I know that I will spend eternity with you. If you prayed that in your heart, that when people ask you from here on out, you can say, I gave my life and the steering wheel of my life to Jesus Christ. And because of that, I'm on the team. I'll spend eternity with him. But for those in this room that have you done it today or whether you've done it in the past, the question for you is, are you on the bench? And if you're on the bench, get in the race. And so, Lord Jesus, right now, as Pastor Stephen is about to sing a song while we sit, God, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts. And as you speak to our hearts, God, I pray that we would make a commitment to run the race for you. It's in the matchless name of Jesus. We pray. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information about the ministries at Ocean View, or if you'd like to speak to someone directly, you can visit our website at www.ovbc.org. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.